This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Welcome to NL Interviews and today we have Tripti Lahiri whose book Made in India, which is the only Panay approved book titles, came out last month. Uh, actually no, it just came out. Oh, but yeah. it's June now. Yeah, yeah, so like like there, literally yeah. this month. June. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So it came out this month by Aleph. Uh, who have been putting out some dope books for a while now. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. Yeah. So yeah, can you give me a quick summation of what your book is about? It's basically um, looking at the people that come to the city to work and this kind of long chain connecting the villages to basically the houses of people in Delhi um, and the kind of different ways that they get here from sort of connecting with a middleman to ending up in Delhi to ending up in a house in you know Latin's Delhi or in uh, Gurgaon and and then what happens once they're in that house so is it fair to call that the service industry though like I realize it doesn't really have a, a, a proper name or term even though it's a pretty like ingrained in our culture at least or Asian uh, culture you could call it service industry although I think a lot of um, other things might come into that as well like maybe like you know restaurants and so forth so I mean you could call it a domestic service industry maybe oh actually yeah, yeah. Uh, let's start with that so yeah. what are the terms that I that we want to use because yeah. we use the phrase um, domestic household domestic yeah. made yeah. And then there's the aya you also use the phrase nanny yeah. which I was a little surprised by because I've always associated that with a very Western and a very specifically yeah. kind of yeah. um, stratified caregiver kind of thing, right? Like a nanny would take care of the child until like... Actually, so that was kind of like a, a new one for me as well. Like I definitely was used to much more of the sort of older terms that are now kind of right. verboten. So even made, I, I, I hear mixed things about like the, it is okay, but it's not okay. Um, this helper again here mixed things about that because it implies a certain um, voluntariness maybe. Right, there's an agency to helper that maybe <clears throat> might not be like, you know, like yeah. a kind of financially indenturedness that you're not going to see in a maid or uh, what's the other term that's often used? Um, so, uh, and, and then I mean there is a term and people still use it all the time although it's sort of very, I think, I f- think for some people who are especially not in India it's pretty shocking. I mean people still say servants all the time. I don't think it's right, an uncommon right, that's phrase. Right, yeah. right, yeah. um, uh, I did. I did use domestic workers the term a lot, but I tried not to use it when writing about people's homes because it's not. Except in translation, how... I don't think I've ever. Uh, like you don't use the word knocker at all, but that's the most predominant. Yes, but because it was in English, I didn't. And I think servant would be the most accurate translation of knocker. Like I think knocker is is a pretty uh, hierarchical word. Um, but definitely, these things are really in flux, and there's a lot of sort of negotiation around them. And I think um, the terms babysitter and and nanny are two that I definitely heard. I use them because they were being used by people to refer to their work. Um, like I met women who sometimes even expat households, but they they might also be. Oh, so these are the people themselves using it to yeah, describe their yeah, work. Okay, I, yeah, Okay, because I would have imagined other people using that, right? Yeah. Um, in, but that also speaks of a kind of gentrification in class. That yeah. that's the terminology you'd use versus. Yeah, so I'm seeing that babysitter is coming in more, although it has a very different meaning than babysitter in, in the U.S. Maybe it's much more, uh, you know, correlates with nanny. Um, and nanny is there as well, um, but, but maybe babysitter is actually more common. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so or childminder, that's another Childminder, okay, yeah. that. Yeah. I, Which I didn't use because for me it just was such an odd phrase that yeah. although it, I do hear it, but I didn't end up using it. I don't it. think I've ever heard that. But then again, I don't have a child, yeah. Um, yeah. And nor have I had to mind one. So yeah, so, so that is also a word that's out there. All right, so then, um, yeah, this is a pretty pertinent question. So how did you end up uh, writing this book anyway? Because I remember 
your Wall Street Journal article from a couple of years ago. That was the Cobra Gade thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was you. And was it about sort of the fact that there had been previous cases like that? Right, or, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. and this kind of like cultural dissonance between, yeah. you know, people here kind of rising to defend her, going yeah. like, well, that's what one does, like yeah. that's how you treat maids or yeah. that's how you yeah. treat domestics, yeah. versus this entire Western media, you know, effectively losing their minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, but that was 2013, I would think. Uh, that's when actually, I like, think that end incident. of 2012? Okay. <clears throat> no, you know, actually 2013, yeah. Oh, so was that the onus of this book, or had you already been kind of mapping no, it out No, actually, like, it kind of came out, um, I sort of had been already strangely kind of working on preliminary research towards um, doing it. I already had kind of talked with a publisher, and um, so I think the, the sort of the, the interest in me came out of two things. One is... Uh, that there was one particular woman who had worked for my mother, and I mean they didn't they didn't last long together. I think they were like um, just had really different agendas. My mother wanted somebody who uh, could just be around a lot more, and and this woman who was South Indian and lived nearby just had a lot going on. She like ran these savings committees, and she was like wanting to rebuild her house, and she had four boys that she was like really focused on how to get them ahead, and so she um, ended up kind of. Um, uh, uh, leaving leaving our house, but and so we kind of like I just kind of was very interested in her life and all the things she was doing because um, I did have a memory of us having help when I was younger and and we were oh really living that's here. kind of surprising though right well I mean because because we were you know we were living in Delhi before as well and then my parents moved around a lot but when we were in Delhi I, I did remember having help but I just sort of kind of didn't remember. All of these things going on in their lives, and, and I and I maybe as a kid I didn't notice it or, or I wasn't interested. Um, but so that was I mean I think her kind of neighborhood and her story made me just want to know a lot more about um, you know what was going on, what what people thought. Right, because there's a strict yeah. partition. Like, I mean that's the thing you also bring up, right? Yeah. In that uh, the tendency to to kind of feign a casualness where yeah. um, you know you, you refer to a lot of these people with their first names, but they are still like that power dynamic is such that yeah. you know they're not you're not really interested in what goes on in their life. They're not a person as much as they're yeah. the set of yeah. utilities. Yeah. Um, and you probably have a fear that you know when they bring me something about their life, it might be something that's going to be inconveniencing to me. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? So, so no, so that's so, so that was one thing. But the other thing was also just. Um, Kind of uh, coming back to domestic help and 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 after a long time, like uh, not having had it, and then coming back and having it, um, and just kind of really grappling with because I'm obviously shaped by India. I grew up in India, then and then went away. Um, I kind of like just sort of lapsed into sort of doing what everybody else was doing, and it took a while, and it took sort of several friends who were. Um, kind of grappling with it to realize, like, oh, I, I actually like hadn't put thought into this, and I was paying the sort of market rates, and the market rates were really low, and I should not have um, um, been doing that. But then trying to figure out what the right thing was, like because there were so many ranges between friends of mine who are Indian or friends who are sort of foreign. So, so when you say the right thing, you're talking about like what. Um like how much you should pay. Like really, some, like okay, yeah, even yeah, getting yeah. clarity on that just seemed like such a difficult thing. Well, it's a thing that's not really discussed, right? Because I mean, um, right. Except so in those rate cards. Exactly in those rate cards. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a thing I'm questioning, like, right? So for, here's this kind of, um, I guess, a gray market for want of a better word, mm-hmm. unregulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet there's no kind of collective bargaining, there's no union. Not really. So there's yeah. no like, yeah. this is what this job entails, this is the rate for this job. 
Um, but also there's no kind of across-board um, clarification on what they're like. So the, one of the conceits in your book mm -hmm. is that the relationship between the, the work that is to be done by the domestic help mm -hmm. is murkier now than mm -hmm. it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I, found, I, I thought it was a lot strange because I thought the idea now is that you can say, like, this is what you're expected to do. This is the amount of time off you get. Mm -hmm. Like, it's much more regulated because you're no longer expecting them to, you know, stay with you for the rest of their lives or something. Um, yes, but it depends who you're talking about. I think the experience, because um, just as there are lots of different wage rates and pay rates across Delhi, um, I think the workers themselves are really, really different. That's one thing I kind of realized that there was just an enormous range between someone who um, might be pretty well educated and, you know, might be working either for foreigners or for sort of very kind of high being Indians and they, they might be earning 25 or 35 um, and they definitely would expect to have like maybe not just a day off a week but maybe even a weekend. I mean just very different expectations. Um, they might be pretty well established in the city, they might even own property. They, I mean they may not be, you know, if you're, if you're going to look at it in percentiles, they may not actually be in that different of a percentile than the person that's employing them. Oh, really? Um, okay. But then, but then there are these other people who are coming who are not speak, who don't necessarily speak the same language as people here. They're coming from sort of areas that speak, um, you know, Orao or, or mm. Santali or other languages, and and they're sort of leaving their their part of the state and country for the first time. And they might often be very young, and they um, and those people, I think, when they come to the city how things are going to end up for them, uh, what they're going to get, what their job is going to be, is, is I think, really unclear. You know, I, I think that you, I think it really would be difficult or unusual to find, if there's a family, mm. then if that family is not earning, uh, you know, I guess 45 or up, I think it would be maybe unusual to find domestic work. A single person earning that might, you know, would have it, but if it's a household with multiple people, then I think it would have to be above that. Um, oh, okay. But this is again like sort of like um, talking to people. There isn't really clear data about what. Um, th th they can so for a certain class, this is the, the oh we've made it. I think so. I mean, like the the idea, you know, how people say, uh, oh everybody has help in India, or mm -hmm. everybody has servants in India. Uh, is I mean, there's everybody of a certain income category. There's, it's by no means everybody, um, and it's actually in some ways just as rare and uncommon here. Um, as it is in a lot of other countries. I mean, it's not that if you go to the village or, or town, small town, that everybody has help, you know. Okay, so yeah, so how does that happen? So how does someone from a tiny village end up, for instance, working um, as a driver here in Delhi? Yeah. Like, what's the process for something yeah. like that? Well, they may not go straight from a village to being a driver. They may come from the, from the village and end up in um, sort of maybe first sort of being kind of a general errands person, and then they might sort of learn driving from someone else in the family. But for example, I met this um, uh, a placement agent called Santosh Srivastava, and he had been a, a, a cook first. He'd kind of come from UP when his father died at age 11 and kind of worked for like a family friend. Oh, and then the job, being a cook means you own a mine. <laughs> uh, you've been following the news. That's, that's oh. been uh, one of the more delightful scandals coming out from there. Um, so, well, this, this is not the case of this particular right, uh, cook. Right. Uh, he, Sorry, he did not own, yeah. Um, so, so he, for example, um, moved to the city. He worked as a, as a cook, and he fell in love with somebody from another state, a woman from Charkand. Um, and then they decided to, uh, they had a circle of friends who were all sort of like maids and cooks. And, and everybody heard all these complaints about um, 
how hard it was to come uh, and be placed in the city and be treated uh, and get what the agent promised you. So they were like, okay, let's set up for ourselves. And then I think, um, you know, they used her ties a lot and, you know, would go to her village and kind of like ask around if there were people um, or else people would get to know like, hey, this woman's in, in the city. She and they'd be very clear though, the kind of work that's expected. Um, I mean, I think people know that it's housework. I think that it's hard for them to be super clear about um, because to me, what so much of that is nebulous, right? Even the term housework to me, like, what does that entail? Well, not just that. I mean, what's very nebulous is that the housework that people are used to doing at their homes, um, oh, like, would be different it's totally else's different. Eyes. Like, okay. so that's the other thing I realize. Like, um, you know, when people keep saying, "Oh, untrained, untrained," and I'd be like, "But you know, you know, it's, it's cleaning. How difficult would that? You know, why would you need special training for cleaning?" But when people are cleaning in their in their homes, the villages they're actually like they're it's a different kind of floor. They might be using like coal blacking, and you know the stove is different. Everything is different. You're not using glass cleaner and all these things. Um, so so yes, I think there is a real difference in housework. Um, I don't think people actually ask or have an expectation of being told like, okay, what will your date be exactly? Um, I think they kind of leave it pretty much often. People coming from the village, particularly to the agent or the employer, to tell them like these are these are you know you got to wake up in the morning and serve us tea at this time, and then you'll be doing this, and then each house has its own routine. Kind of. Yeah, but yeah. There's certain things that are universal across. People. Yeah, I think like morning tea is pretty common amongst uh, households that have live in health. Also, I mean, to, first of all, to mention this, this is very gendered labor, though. Like, I mean, it, yeah. I've been trying to, yeah. to use, um, you know, they, or more ambiguous uh, yeah. terms, but this is very gendered labor. Yeah. Uh, and it's predominantly, I mean, you talk predominantly to women. I did, yeah. And, but that's also because that's, I mean, this industry almost uniformly seems to only employ women. Right? Yeah, yeah, and that's something that's changed a lot. I think if you look at, um, you know, studies, uh, there's a, I think, Raka Ray, there's, anyway, the sociologist has, had written about um, this really changed. This was like, you know, maybe um, 100 years ago, really kind of a male job because it involved going out and about in the world, and, and that was just something that, um, that men did and, and women didn't do as much. So... Um, so, but now it's, uh, I would say about two thirds of those jobs are women. And if you look at just urban, I think urban India, then it's like higher than that, 80% or something. So yeah, it's, it so is a really- you're coming to the city, you're working here, mm. you're sending back your wages, presumably as Often, well. So yeah. you're kind of this- or, or not, not necessarily, of, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen. One is you might get your wages monthly, or you get your wages monthly and you sign for them, but then if you don't have a bank account or if you can't access your bank account in the city, then the employer keeps them, and then like right. all these horror stories that came in the wake of demonetization was, pre you know, pre yeah. predominantly this, like this cash economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where most of it is getting spent. But right, so to go back to the gender basis, so did you, in your, in um, any of your cases, was there an inverse of that, where, you know, this kind of regulation of men's work, women's work, like how did that come about? Who dictates yeah. these things? Yeah. Within and the house, do you mean, or do you mean like legally? I mean, like within yeah. the house. Even yeah. oh, wait, there's a legal distinction as well. Well, I mean, just one thing that I noticed, and maybe this is going to change, is that I, I feel that, um, you know, men's work for the household is just recognized a lot more. And for example, um, you know, drivers do have, they get overtime. It's just understood that they will have that. It may not be very high overtime. It might be like at, at the rate of 25 so rupees an hour. is recognized differently. It's recognized differently. And now I saw that... Um, they brought in a notification saying that gods, like the ones who sit at the gate, yeah. are skilled workers and that they should have their salary started at 15,000. Um, and there isn't any similar notification about like a cook 
And, you and know. yet, I mean, there's enough TV shows to tell me that that is probably one of the most complex it's skills, difficult, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah, 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 especially if you know different kinds of cuisines, but it's not recognized in the same way as being a god. Oh, yeah. No, I convinced people I love oatmeal, but that's only because that's the only thing I know how to make. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, you're not a skilled cook. You, no. you will not command no. a 15,000 rupees salary. But by virtue yeah. of being yeah. a man, apparently, that is cooking, that's already being recognized as being exceptional? Well, I wouldn't put yourself in the market with that. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Hurtful? Accurate for hurtful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, so there is a gender dimension to that. Um, I think within the house, so, so men are not often doing uh, work within the house. I mean, there are select households that But have, did you see any outliers to this or no? Yeah, I mean, if you go to sort of a more old-fashioned business family or a joint family that is um, sort of, uh, they might have a cook who's Brahmin. And is often male, and he's you know he's called Maharaj is the name, and he's like he sort of has a it's a kind of a within the world of domestic work it's kind of a status job, R okay, you know, because right, right. you have to be a particular caste and you have to know certain things and. Um, oh, so, I never actually thought about yeah. that. So then this yeah. delineates a lot of these things. Like they, they, the stratification is also based on not just gender but caste as well as a region or well, main, mainly linguistic for cooking. Mainly for cooking oh, and, mainly for and cooking. within within certain kinds of you know maybe more of a business family. Okay. Yeah. This is a story in Scroll. It came yeah. out on May twenty seventh yeah. about this apartment complex um, in Bombay where. The apartment complex had decided to put fixed rates and share that with all mm -hmm. of the residents, right? Yeah. Like this is how much maid mm -hmm. should be paid for cleaning a room. This is how much you know this job should cost for yeah. like X number of people, yeah. so many, uh, so many bedroom houses, mm -hmm. that kind. Um, and so the minute mm -hmm. the um, the all the domestic help off that that service that complex mm -hmm. go on strike, mm -hmm. they were fired for striking. Yeah. Um, and to me, like, but that's, why is that, do you think? Like, why is the idea of displaying rate cards? Yeah. And just so that everyone knows how much they should be earning. Yeah. A I think problem. That, that comes from a place of sort of like real kind of um, actually class solidarity. Like I do, um, like sometimes in discussions with, um, with people or, or when, I, when I talk to people who are kind of being more than the average in their neighborhood, they would tell me that people would often tell them, like, why are you doing this? This is like, you're going to, you know, this is not you're how it's supposed to be. setting the free market. Yeah, I mean, so this kind of thing. So the idea that, like, you know, that there is this perfect market for this work and, and we have to pay that wage, and if you deviate from it, like, you're already tinkering with the free market. But how does it uh, work? Maybe you're just an asshole, and that's why, you know, you need to pay more for people to put up with your nonsense. Yeah, maybe you you have very, you know, specific demands for food, exactly. and you're like a health nut, and you just ask a lot more. So I feel like this idea that there can be such a fixed rate, like, I mean, I actually don't think it would be great if this departed from the oh, idea. So you, so you think like the idea of a fixed rate would actually hurt the, the, the domestic workers and not the people employing them? I think it depends how you put it. It depends. I mean, I think that it, it would be good to have a fixed rate that's a that's a, a, a basement rate, like a rate a that you can go wage. below. Yeah, a minimum wage. Um, because the because there's a lot, just the minimum wage act, actually doesn't, you could beg yourself to it, but it doesn't actually theoretic, uh, technically apply. Uh, I mean, to domestic workers. Right, especially yeah. when the work itself is nebulously defined, then yeah. how do you say, like, this yeah. is what yeah. you're earning per hour, or yeah. the yeah. amount of work you're putting in this. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that was the thing, um, and that was this. Uh, so one of the sort of uh, women I wrote about in my book, who uh, actually started a kind of a sort of progressive placement agency. That's kind of one thing they had to map out, and they and and I, one thing I really enjoyed looking at actually for this book was their paperwork because. Um, they really tried to map out the minutest detail. This was a company called The Maids Company, which I, I think isn't doing this work anymore. They've segued into sort of more sort of self-teaching. Okay. But um, anyway, so they worked a lot with contracts and they would make, because um, they did want to try to set a wage for like, you know, they had a calculator on the website with like hours and rooms and how many people in the household and would it be cooking, would it be other things. But then if you actually ended up, you know, taking someone from them, you had to fill out this huge questionnaire about like, what time will it start? Will will uh, will there be packing of lunches? If kids are being prepared for school, uh, will they? Is it just feeding them or also getting their lunch ready? And is it is anybody else's lunch for, for work being prepared? And then uh, you know, counting that as a separate kind of cooking from cooking the next meal. Oh, right. And then um, is she going to be eating this food or is she going to be eating? Is she going to have to make food at another time for herself? So is there going to be that cooking as well? Uh, if she's not. You know, eating that, then we're going to bill you another thousand rupees for her lunch. I mean, so it's like a really intensive survey that these. Okay, that, this is incredibly yeah. complicated. I feel yeah. like an economist needs to get involved. In yeah, so I just feel like I feel like if they could spend is wider, they could have some amazing else that's data. This nebulous? Like any other work that comes close in I mean, any industry? I think they probably are. I mean, if you look at the world of work in India, it's not. Um, it's not necessarily sort of always that well defined, and I certainly think pay scales aren't great across the board. Like, um, you know, I try to include, like, I want people to have a sense of, because um, you know, if I just put a figure out there, and then especially if somebody is reading it somewhere else and they translate it into dollars, it just sounds crazy. Um, so I wanted to put a range of salaries oh, yeah. in there uh, from other professions. So, for example, like if you looked on, um, I think one of the sort of national museums or libraries, I think last year or year before they had a. Uh, ad for a library attendant uh, who had to have a certificate in library management, but the pay that they were offering was ten thousand. So, oh. so you know, and and also like MPs, uh, there's been stories in in, in the Express about what MP assistants earn, right, have, right. often have college mm -hmm. degrees, uh, and often they might start at eight. You know, with the idea that there's going to be growth or they're getting good connections that are going to help them future in life. So, I mean, pay across the board is. Um, is not great. I mean, it's not that this is an issue oh, just for right. domestic work, but actually across the board, like, pay is not great. But yes, yeah, so do households then dictate, uh, does the wealth of the household, for instance, dictate the, 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 the wage? Or would it be yeah. the amount of work? Or is that, or is there just not enough study into the matter? It's a mix, and I think often neighborhoods do have quite well-known strict rates. Like, for example, you know, in Vasant Kunj, it might be sort of uh, kind of like that rate card that we were ta right. talking about earlier. You know, maybe a thousand if you're doing this job, another eight hundred for that job. So sometimes, uh, even without a neighborhood, there are quite fixed rates in a neighborhood, and sometimes the sometimes the woman herself will come and quote it to a house if she's working part time, um, and and sometimes you know there might be negotiation. And I think with live and help, it's gonna it's often set by um, um, you know, maybe the, the middleman okay, uh, right, is right. like, this is what I'm, you know, I can give you for this price, or this is what I'm going to give you for that price. Is uh, this an inherently Asian phenomenon? Um, because there's help in Latin America, oh, and I'm okay. sure there's a lot of help in in in, in different Africa and South Africa. Different or similar? Um, I would say. Um, you know, I think. Because in the wake of the Atlantic article, the Tizon article, yeah. right? But that was not, I mean, it's not even fair to say that was helped. Like, that woman was not paid at all. Yeah, right? and, I, and I think that can happen here as well, especially in a situation where, um, which I think happens in the Philippines as well, which was in that story, that, like, especially people who are sort of like hired 
and they are relatives and distant relatives, often that person might come into someone's house um, and be doing all the work, but because they're kind of family, uh, they're not. not pay them. Yeah, and then because they often are actually family, but in a distant way, but so they may not be treated very well, but but then they don't earn. Um, you know. So you're kind of exploiting either familial connection or social mores. Social mores, because the idea is like, you know, nobody, you know, you, know, you might have a wife, I mean, lots of wives across mm. India who are sort of working morning, noon, and night, but no one thinks that that's right. that Recognition abnormal, of right? that labor, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I think it's in, it's in other parts of the world as well, and, and it's even moving back. I'm thinking of the Middle yeah. East, yeah. specifically, oh, yeah. and that yeah. is horrific, like yeah. every story yeah. that comes out. Right? Yeah. That's one where, but there's still so many people going in droves because mm. oh, the money is supposed to be that good, and you know. Or oh, they're on jobs where they where they're coming right. from. Yeah. Um, and yet there's, I mean, I think Kuwait is at least slightly better, where they have one or two like agencies whose job is specifically to deal mm. um, with these issues and deal with exploitation yeah. Yeah. and to deal with mistreatment. But Saudi Arabia definitely does not, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, when it comes to, say, Latin America, which definitely has a long history as well of having help, and even, you know, back in the day, sort of, uh, you know, maybe more surf-like even situations similar to maybe what was in the Philippines. Right. But now, like, for example, in a place like Brazil, like, you know, they brought in sort of laws requiring, you know, certain kinds of pay, certain kinds of benefits. You know, if you hire somebody for some more than X days a week, you owe them XYZ benefits. Um, so they've really done so a that's lot regulation, of regulation. Yeah. Because this indentured servitude, Wasan uh, Kunj, unfortunately, reminds me of, um, and this is a section from your book too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, scene of the Crime, where all of this horrific abuse that's, you know, uh, you, you read about warranted. Boston Kunj is one of those places where mm. um, yeah. I forget that did, did she die? Was she killed? And there was well, a young girl from the northeast, and I think they tortured her routinely. Uh, yeah. So I think if, the, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, um, the fact that there's more than one is already uh, very horrifying. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's the one that's in the book, mm. I think it's she was she was she was assaulted allegedly assaulted. The case is still going on. Um, and the employer is, has pleaded not guilty. Um, but, you know, she was recovered from that house with a lot of wounds, um, in, including, like, just these sort of, like, swollen ear, you know, eardrums. Yeah, so that, you know, that happened in that neighborhood. And, and so, like, what's the kind of checks and balances for something like that? Like, what's the redressal? Um, so basically, uh, there, the systems that are in place in different neighborhoods to sort of monitor and surveil are very much set up to monitor and surveil uh, to benefit uh, sort of the upper classes. So, for example, there are these institutions now uh, called resident welfare associations, right? Mm. And they um, they often do in many neighborhoods um, sort of collect information about who's working there and issue IDs and things. But but I'm not sure how that they uh, collect, for example, how much they're paid or whether everyone who's living goes home, uh, you know, once a year, stuff like that. So so there are these entities, but they are definitely not um, sort of paying attention to that part of it and. Um, and, and I've talked to people who've said that they've tried to go and work with them and kind of figure out, like, don't you want to take sort of the initiative on this because you're there anyways and you right. kind of know everybody. And, um, but they're like, no, we don't want to get into that tension. <laughs> so um, another one of these sort of um, agents that I met was kind of something like almost a celebrity maid broker. I mean, everybody in South Delhi or, or Luton's Delhi, I think, kind we of knows We have celebrities her. in South Delhi? <laughs> celebrity maid brokers. Oh. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you kind of talk to people across, across the sort of very privileged swath, these big bungalows, most of them have this woman's uh, number in her, in her cell phone. So I met her, and, 
And she was like, yeah, I know in this house on, on Pitviraj Road, they have this many people. In that house on, you know, Amrita Shergill, they have that many people. Um, and she was naming well-known, like, sort of, you know, developers and stuff. And she knows what's going on in the house? Yeah. So, like, so all of these, like, this is how a spy network works. Exactly. I mean, like, and literally she knows who feeds their, their maids well and who doesn't and who's, you know, and whose workers are having sort of a problem uh, in the house they're in. And, you know, and she... Um, you know, so she has so this what sort of makes like, her so unique in this way? Like, other than like this is who she's catering to is this, you know, geography. Well, I think it's, she's one of the oldest, uh, sort of one of the first on the scene. Like, she has just been doing this, you know, since um, more than two decades. Like, she really just saw this opportunity that, you know, for whatever reason, people's ties with the village were getting severed, and she could kind of step into the gap and match make between people who wanted a lot of help and people who were coming for jobs. Um, and because she's done this over time, she now has like kind of the most experienced people. So people kind of know if they go to her, they'll get someone that's sort of like just much better than... Oh, oh so this is the, what we're talking about where it's a skill set that's further honed, right? Like the unskilled labor yeah. versus skilled labor. And in this instance, it's still considered unregulated and unskilled work. But clearly this is um, in opposition to all of these kind of like, you know, rhetoric about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's her, her workers just have so much experience and that I think... And does that mean yeah. that they are able to charge more or command she better? Definitely does, she definitely does charge more. And she has said that, in fact, like, she doesn't even think she's going to supply cleaners anymore. She's just going to specialize in, in childcare. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, and often I would meet people and, and ask them, like, oh, you know, is there anybody you think I should talk to? And, like, everybody kind of had her name. They were like, you know, she's formidable. This is the go-to. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Number one I mean, goal. this is seen as, like, a temporary blip while they earn, or is this, like, you know, this is a their job? Well, it depends. I mean, I did meet, um, you know, I did meet one woman who uh, did domestic work for four years because her, you know, her kids really were sort of on the verge of, they were in school and one of them was going to college, so she wanted to earn extra money. Um, but then she actually ended up uh, kind of meeting social workers who were from a domestic workers organization. So then she joined them um, and, and became a social worker. Um, I think a lot of people who do it, do if, if they've been doing it for a while already and they're in their 40s, they, they probably expect that's going to be their job, but their main goal is that, like, my kids should never have to do this. And I think oftentimes, um, and I think oftentimes there are people who are successful. So like there is that stigma that comes with it, right? And I'm sure that stigma still so gravitates, uh, yeah. ways in which we see it play out about yeah, even the if you're kind well of utensils that you can yeah. use, the kind of uh, yeah. cups that, you know, uh, the maid or the cook will drink out of versus what you would serve to someone yeah. else. Yeah, and also sort of being, being, you know, being in a job which is... So would regulation remove that stigma, do you think, where it just is like, no, this is an actual legally recognized job? I don't know. I think, I think regulation could make it a better job, but whether... Um, whether to remove the stigma. And I think that people even who are sort of well-paid workers in this field don't want their kids to do that. I think they would rather have their kids do, um, even if it's going to be sort of paying 40000 I think they, there's a real sort of um, aspiration to doing a white-collar job. And so... Is um, it the agency associated with that? Or is it more to do with the idea that, you know, you're not... There's the, the power dynamic. Right? Yeah, I mean, the power because in a way, there yeah. is a power dynamic. Yeah, right? I mean, there's a power dynamic in I mean, any every, job, right, but, but, exactly. but in, in the home, it's more because you're just, it's outside the public uh, domain, right? Okay. It's, it's outside. Um, so it's simultaneously the most surveilled and also outside of that kind of surveillance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and I, and I did meet people actually who had successfully helped their kids go on to something else. And sometimes, like, that something else was really like, um, 
like very white collar, like working as sort of like maybe the country's most prestigious think tank. Um, so, so those kinds of you know those kinds of things were kind of um, interesting to see that they did happen. Um, and 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 this person, so I met and interviewed him, and, and he kind of was like, you know, one thing that really bugs me is being in a in a setting or a, disc- or a conference where people are talking about, say, domestic work in India, and and people are like, oh, we have these people in our homes, and he's like, you know. There are people among you who are not part of that we like who there's actually been upward mobility and there are some of us here who who are not we don't have people in our homes because we actually have come out of that or so there's this um, so there is this kind of idea though like it's ingrained that everyone would have help at home like that's the kind I think of the like, idea like, is ingrained that everybody who is uh, sort of like in an environment right. that's sort of upper class because your book opens up it all of these people again able to go out clubbing or go out this while still, you know, holding down a job, having a child yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. because you have other people on whose labor you can depend on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but basically, so this guy that I that I interviewed and, and who's now sort of C-studying in the U.S., um, he was like, actually, like, even in those settings, there, there may be more mixed class than you realize, but the assumption in India is always that, like, if you're doing X thing, you must be from, like, sort of a pedigree. But actually, he was like, some of us are not, but... Um, so the shift, like when you lived in uh, New York, right? Mm-hmm. And so like suddenly you've gone from having um, yeah. all of the support help yeah. to not having yeah. and then coming back to that. Like yeah. how does that change? What has shifted? So, I mean, I think... The, like well, I'm the person who uses one mug for everything because, yeah. hey, one less thing to clean yeah. for me. Yeah. Right? So, I, you know, the big change is that when I had help when I was younger, I, I wasn't the employer. I was experiencing... Um, is that of, a different dynamic? I think so. I think that the... That the but it's still, like, power-adjacent. It's power-adjacent, but it's also power-guilt-free because you're sort of enjoying wow. the labor of somebody without having to manage it. And, and because you're not their boss... Um, you can enjoy a better rapport with them and often it might take their side as well. Um, So there's an expiation of guilt, though, in that, well, I'm not the person who's paying them, but, you know, we get along so well. And and I'm not the one who's sort of, like, determining the... the, the dynamics of this job, like I'm just sort of a bystander, like many husbands might feel in a in a household as well, where the woman is the one who's really like cracking. But the also whip solely profiting off of that labor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody in the household benefits from right. it, um, but there may be one person who's the who's the whip cracker and who, and who, when the person decides, hey, this job is horrible, that is the person they're going to be saying that she's, you know, is the one who made my life miserable. Um, but I want to get, you, you were talking about gender dynamics, right? right? Is that about, a gendered thing as well? I think so. So I think on the one hand, yes, you know, there are two or three very uh, weird things that I noticed. So one is, yes, okay, women are going out to work, and to do that, they hire other women, who, who then they sometimes boss around maybe in a way that's really not that great. Um, but then the other thing is also, um, I saw that there were all these cases, a lot of the abuse cases were with, from women who were often doing traditional female jobs but in, for pay. So like they were like teachers or nurses or they were caregivers in, in the world. Um, and they were not, I mean, they obviously were not able to, um, had nothing of that left in the house when they were dealing with this person. Even though they might be responsible in a job for taking care of somebody right. and giving them care. But then I also did feel like, you know, I did see that there were cases where um, women did seem to be able to bring case complaints maybe more often against women. And I, again, think maybe that is a gender thing where 
um, you might be the authority figure, but your authority is never going to be accepted in the same way um, by a worker, perhaps as a, as a as a man. And maybe that opens up that opens up a possibility for people to complain about bad treatment in that particular because of that dynamic, right? So I think I mean on the one hand you could say that the fact that women's authority is sort of maybe more limited than men can have this positive side effect where a worker that's not being treated well may be more likely to bring a complaint when that when their boss is a woman. Then when, okay. when it's oh, a man. Oh, so yeah. that's also how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I think there's gender. Okay. There's some level of gender in that as so well. So statistically, you know. did you notice were there any instances of like um, women having more complaints against women versus men having more complaints against women? Um, you know, I would have to say that it's it's very hard to get statistics sort of very clearly mm -hmm. like that. So I would say that when I'm when I say this, it's based more some, uh, anecdotally. On, yeah, but and also anecdotally from. Uh, NGOs that uh, do work like this and that they themselves are saying that like we are seeing um, you know we're seeing sort of a lot of complaints against women. So going forward what needs to happen next? Yeah um, I mean I think I think this is one of those relationships where there's just this constant interplay between the individual and the, and the social. And this can only, this only happens in a highly uh, class strata society? Yeah, or a highly unequal society. Right. I mean, if, if, like, I think that as, you know, if wages were to go up and minimum wages were to go up, I think people would, like, try to minimize help and maybe buy, you know, maybe figure out, you know, other right, things because they because then this would get recognized as specialized skills. Yeah. And not just, like, as, as, as you say, oh, I'm not item. a caregiver, yeah. I am, you know, X or Y yeah. or Z, like all yeah. of these things, and these are yeah. wages I should get for. Yeah, so I think there's a very complex interplay between the uh, between the individual and the social, and I think, um, you know, I think right now the social sort of the social atmosphere isn't that, um, you know, it doesn't really tell people like, oh, you need to behave in a certain way or not, and in fact, the standards are so low that like. You know, as long as you're, you know, if you're not beating up your worker, you know, you're, you're probably not so bad. Right, that's so, what you said. Like, the idea yeah. is we read these stories about abuse and we go, well, at least I'm not this person, yeah. so you assault your own yeah. guilt. Yeah, so I think actually, like, having rate guards that were fair or having laws that are fair... That's why I'm surprised are, about are, that. ...are really, if, if, they would ha if they would be fair, like, if they would be taking into account what's fair for the worker as well as, you know, you know just sort of prevailing rates, um, and having laws as well, I think that actually that will shift a lot of burden off employers who want to do things well but are like kind of like casting around to figure it out on their own, um, you know. So, so I think right now in the situation we're in, I think a lot of it is on is on you as an individual to really like craft um, some kind of situation that it really is bearing in mind the fact that you can actually do anything you want. Right. But we're never going to move to a system where everyone washes their own goddamn cup, you think? It, it might happen at some point, but I think we have so many people that, that, and that is a job that actually like women can do. Like a woman who, whose husband is horrible and she needs to leave him or she needs to make money, she can't just go and be like, you know what, uh, 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 can I clean your house? Because, I mean, there's no barrier there's to There's no barrier to entry. Job. You don't mm -hmm. have to have a degree. You don't have to have, you know, you, you don't even have to have like limited language skills in common with your employers. So, so one of my concerns earlier about, you know, is that kind of anti-feminist and that this labor is so gendered, it's so unrecognized. But no, it doesn't have to be, is what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's, it's all of those things. It is gendered and it is anti-feminist and it also allows women who don't have a lot of other choices to maybe be more autonomous from, you know, a, a husband or some situation that's not, that's not great. Um, because they can go out and be like, hey, here's this job that I can do and that people want. 
So. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask as well is the idea of, I mean, this very stratified, hierarchical, class-to-class barriers, right? But anything that kind of disrupts that, like inter-class relationships or, I mean, or is that even possible, like given that power dynamic, right? Like. Would it be consensual, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and I did try to find cases where maybe um, there had been such a relationship that that resulted in a marriage, which maybe would be kind of consensual. So, um, and I had heard about some cases like that, but they were very hard to pin down. So I ended up sort of doing what everybody does at the beginning of research, which is Googling for, um, uh, you know, made uh, employer. Oh, good to know. So what I'm doing (laughs) is I'm merely researching. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you Google for, uh, you know, stories, because I was looking for new stories about this, so then I would try to find them. So if you Google for um, made stories, uh, employers, marriage, you actually come to a site which is a kind of... um, Kind of like uh, you know erotic fiction and these and specific terms. It, yes, okay. pretty much those terms. If you want to remember them. Uh, yeah. Right. Sorry. What were they again? <laughs> Once more for the kids in the back. <laughs> yeah, I'll repeat them at the, at the end again. So, um, so I kind of as one does doing research, I started reading some of these stories to see you know, what does. exactly uh, you know everything for research. Uh, what were the fantasies people had about their maids? Um, and after a while, I realized that they were just super. There was like a real level of like granular life detail that I didn't expect. That and this is India specific, right? Because like the myth yeah. of the Western uh, thing. No, no, no. This, bit, is, yeah. this is like set in Indian settings. Some like some were set in Bangalore. Some were set in, in other cities. Um, and you know they were like almost like sort of socio, you know, socioeconomic porn. So so one of socioeconomic porn. Yeah. So so for example, like just to give you an idea of what what they were like, you know, one story begins where this man has has said to his maid like, you know, why don't you come back later on when your work is done for the day in the evening, and you know she she agrees. I feel like I should intrude and say the power dynamic and that also seems odd. But. Uh, yes, I mean you know I'm I'm not you know there's there's many things in these stories, but. Um, but there's also something sort of interesting going on there. So anyway, so for whatever reason, I mean, she's not a live-in worker. She is a worker who can leave and doesn't have to come back. So anyway, so um, she does come back in the evening. And he's like, oh, but you're still wearing the same sari you wore in the morning. And I thought you would have changed into a nicer sari. And, and, and you know, it doesn't look that clean. And she's like, Saab, I've worked in five houses today. When do you think I would have the time to change my sari for this encounter? And he's like, yeah. That's true. I'm so sorry to have troubled you. Please use my shower. Wait, so the and, point and of it, view and then it is this concerned, uh, uh, concerned male who's never thought about uh, just what the daily life of, of this woman is. Well, so yeah, there were these elements in the story which were kind of like her telling him, like, you know, this was my day. Um, and then it. And, then and how it, accurate was that? Like, given that that's all you've researched and studied. How accurate was the depiction of her day? Uh, sans the coitus. Uh, sans the coitus, yeah. I mean, uh, you might work in five houses and, and then be going from one to the other until you're done in the evening. So I couldn't speak to the rest of it. But there you have it, socioeconomic porn. Right. I, I hope it was an interesting read. Oh, it was, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, as I mentioned, it was just as I was reading this, and I'm like, wow, look at all of these other news items that I'm reading. Uh, and they're informing this all the more. So I thought yeah. that, that that clicked really well for me. Um, so That's that was great. just fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot written on this entire economy at all. There, there isn't, but I uh, think there may be more. There's a famous sort of memoir um, by a woman who worked for uh, an employer in Gurgaon, and she's Bengali, and she wrote a book which is 
it's translated into English maybe seven or eight years ago. It's called A Life Less Ordinary. But there isn't. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a memoir. Uh, I kind of feel like there's going to be more writing from some of these sort of young people whose parents were domestic workers and they've seen what their parents did, but now they're kind of like going to be writers right, or researchers. Suka has like two such books out. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that there, there'll be more writing from people who've really seen it from the inside and, but, and, and also are going to be writing in English as well. Thank you so much, though. And again, yeah. thanks for coming over. Thank this you. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.